Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome back to another episode of Harbor Technology Group's The Perfect Storm podcast. Uh, Super excited to have with me today, Alex Clark from Highland. Uh, Alex is VP of Cyber Solutions, or actually, I guess your title is technically Vice President, Cyber Cyber Solutions Leader. So I want to make sure I I say it correctly. Either way, I really appreciate you uh, joining me today, Alex. Alex and I are going to talk a little bit about cyber insurance. I, I, we've recorded recently recorded a podcast uh, about cyber insurance um, about a month and a half, two months ago. Uh, really good one. We got a bunch of great feedback on it. So I thought it would make a lot of sense to, to record another one and, and hopefully discuss uh, you know, new aspects of, of cyber insurance to really help our, our uh, listeners better understand um, kind of where cyber is today, cyber insurance, excuse me, uh, where it is today, how the controls, what controls are important, um, uh, maybe how making a claim happens, et cetera. These is kind of the things that Alex and I briefly talked about uh, prior to jumping on this uh, on this Zoom meeting to, to record the podcast. So Alex, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, really appreciate your time, man. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk. And, you know, that title, a lot of people internally just call me the cyber guy. So whatever you want to put in there. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, you probably also get uh, like cyber nerd, all of that stuff, too, because I know that I do. Yeah, it's always a little embarrassing when I can't get my Zoom or Microsoft Teams to work. <laughs> well, uh, the truth be told, uh, we, Alex and I were laughing when I when I scheduled this podcast with them. Um, I sent an invite and Outlook automatically put a Teams meeting into the invite. So he had joined the Teams meeting. So I, I'm technically challenged as well. Um, so Alex, tell us a little bit about Highland, what you guys do, you know, what your focus is, maybe a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Highland is an all-inclusive insurance broker. So we help out clients of all sizes with all lines of coverage. Um, one thing that really sets Highland apart is we have expertise in, in all lines of what we call the specialty risks. So you know, there's uh, an Alex for DNO, there's an Alex for EPLI, there's an Alex for pollution. So really any line of uh, coverage that you're looking for, we have an expert to help you out. We have a really large footprint. We specialize in the Midwest, but we dip down all the way to Florida and, and just opened an Atlanta office. And we're in the emerging markets, as we call them, trying to really expand across America. So very unique uh, brokerage setup. Um, very excited to see the growth that we're going to overtake in the next five to 10 years. That's great. That's great. So you, you don't specialize in kind of, we'll call it traditional insurance. Is that the right way to, I don't want to, I don't want to sell you guys short in any way. 
No. So absolutely handle all the special, you know, right. all the general insurance, right? The property, the casualty, but we try to take it a step further to help all your specialty needs. Got it. So do you, do you come um, to cyber from the cyber side or the business side? Uh, business side, I would say. So um, started more as a very generalist in the insurance world. So I started as a wholesale broker, um, realized real quick that I didn't like the work comp, the, the property co-insurance dollars. Um, unfortunately, that's blended into a little more of the cyber world with co-insurance, but we'll get there. Um, realized that I liked cyber. It was moving very quickly, decided to dive head first. And I've been specializing in cyber for about six to seven years now. That's amazing. And, and uh, my business partner, I, and I, I talk it to talk about it with other uh, folks that have been in the industry a long time, like myself, it's really, really important to, it's been really important to the industry for it not to be all like IT nerds and tech nerds coming up into the cyber world um, and being the leaders in the industry. It's important that business side come along as well, because it's such an important component of all things that we do today that we need to, we need to understand how uh, cybersecurity impacts businesses, not just from a technical perspective, but uh, across basically the, the full gamut of how they operate. So um, really, really glad that uh, more folks like you are, are joining the industry. So with all that being said, so talk to me a little bit about like some of the, the controls or the lack of controls, what you, what you think uh, as, as, as you're bringing on new clients and they're going through the, the underwriting process and, and trying to understand where their risk lies, what are really the things that you're seeing, the questions that are being asked of organizations as far as the controls they have in place, the technical controls to help protect you know, confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data? Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of leading into that question, right? I sit in a very unique position, right? I say I, I bridge the gaps, right? So you look back even two years ago when I started at Highland, I was going into meetings and I was talking to the board of directors, right? right. I was talking to people that were very business savvy. There wasn't a lot of the, the cybersecurity team there. There wasn't the IT team there. So I try to bridge those gaps and, and bring the worlds together. And a lot of times I, I judge my ability to get the IT team more funding, right? Here's how we can drive your costs down on the cyber side. Here's how we can minimize your risk uh, management so you don't have a claim, right? So when we look at controls, kind of the, the pay to play control is multi-factor authentication right now. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, we, we kind of look at it in the insurance world as a silver bullet in, in many ways, because it can prevent a lot of claims and slow the bad actors down. But MFA is at the top of that list. And, you know, when you dig a little deeper, we start looking at the endpoint detection and response tools. We look at backups, right? We love the three, two, one method right. in, in the cyber world. And I think one thing that gets missed a lot is, is intentional phishing. How are we training our employees, right? About 80% of the claims we see are based on human error. How do we keep that? You know, we only want to cover 20%. How do we train people and make sure they're not distracted in the workplace is a big piece of that puzzle. Well, let's, let's hold on to that, that, you know, where the real problem lies uh, from a security perspective for a second, uh, just set it aside, but going back to the, the kind of the stack rank, ranking of controls, so MFA is the is the hot button item now, obviously. And you know, with MFA from a from a, a nerdy tech perspective, I mean, obviously nothing in, in security is foolproof, but it's it's pretty darn good. Um, you know, properly implemented, 
you can really protect your your systems. And you know, we all kind of know that the analogy in security, like you don't have to be faster than the lion, you just have to be faster than the other guy that's running from the lion, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the idea with MFA right now from a very technical perspective. It's not foolproof, but if you have it implement, if you have it implemented that the hacker or the bad actor that that you know the likelihood that you're gonna have your worst day is much lower. And that's what the insurance carriers are really caring about, right? Right. Absolutely. And I think it was referenced in one of your previous podcasts. They're, they're bad actors are vultures, not hawks, right? So that's if right. we can stop them in their tracks, if we can slow them down, they might go to another, you know, attack, you know, For surface, sure. right? So MFA does a really, really good job of that. Right. So proper backups, you know, encryption, all of these other things are all important from a control perspective. And this applies to all businesses, of course. Now, the bigger businesses may have been doing these things for a longer, for longer than, than smaller businesses have. And of course, smaller businesses can't afford all the cool, fancy tools that the bigger businesses have. So it's nice that the industry itself, the insurance industry, has kind of landed on some very specific, basic security controls to, for, for organizations to implement to, to you know, get the coverage that they need to, to protect themselves. Is that what you're seeing? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we look at the successful risk transfer programs we've built, people haven't steered away from insurance. They've leaned into insurance. And what I mean by that is this is overwhelming, especially to businesses that have never really had to dabble with a lot of IT and a lot of controls. So we're seeing businesses lean on insurance companies and say, all right, help us prioritize what we need to implement and what order do we need to implement not only to protect ourselves, but to help transfer that risk. And we've seen sure. a lot of success with people taking advantage of that. Right. So I, I guess we probably should have started with like, so we, we've set aside this, this human, the human risk factor, right? We're going to talk about that kind of close out the, or I'd like to talk about it to close out the podcast. But if we were to take a step back and say, okay, what, what does the market like look like from a whole? We know that there's these controls that insurance uh, companies are looking for. Um, that, and quite honestly, companies should be doing whether they're interested in risk transfer or not. Um, I mean, you should have MFA. You should have it for your, your, your company. You should have it in your personal life. Uh, in fact, it, it's, it's stunning to me that, you know, almost everywhere now is it available. Every bank has it, um, you know, every email provider has it, et cetera, that it isn't just part of setting up your account, that it just, it's, that it has to be enabled still in some systems and services is kind of stunning to me, but I'll, I'll pontificate about that later. So the, the market as a whole, we, I know when we talked to Julian earlier in the year and Michael and I, when we were doing our predictions for 2022, the, the demise of cyber insurance has been long predicted. What's your thought and take on the market as a whole? I think the market as a whole is very much still in a gray area, right? Which way is it going to, we're on the, we're on the fence, which way is it going to lean? Um, I think the markets have done a really good job from taking a step back and learning how to underwrite this risk. What is important to them? How are we pricing this to make sure that we can maintain it? Um, Unfortunately, I think the frequency and the severity of claims are still trying to combat everything that the insurance marketplace is doing. So it's a battle, right? What are the next 12 months going to look like? Are we going to continue to start seeing huge, continue to see huge increases? Are we going to start to see those come back to earth a little bit? Um, When you say, when you say increases, do you mean increasing claims, increase of, of breaches, hacks, or both? 
Uh, both, all the right. above, plus increase in premiums, plus increase right. of retention and deductibles, right? Do all those start to come back to earth a little bit? Um, I personally think they will. Um, maybe I'm optimistic from the broker side. I, st- I think we're going to start thing- seeing things come back to earth a little bit and be a little bit more aggressively priced and um, things of that nature. But as far as a marketplace, we are st- seeing the shrinkage of capacity, right? How much limit can a billion dollar company buy? That's being limited, right? Um, coverage, such as ransomware, that's being shrank a little bit. And that's being preserved for people with the best in class of controls. Um, that's what worries me a little bit. How much is going to be available for people as they ramp up? So is the analogy, you, you, this is what I was trying to get to happen, to marry up this ransomware conversation with the human the human risk factor, uh, which we'll get to. But do you, do you, do you see it as... Uh, comparative to auto insurance, like those that don't speed get better rates and have more options and coverage versus those that have had a few speeding tickets and maybe don't do all the right things, don't get the best coverage. I I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. I I try to simplify it for my own mind Um, because you're saying ransomware may be pulled back for only those that, or ransomware coverage may be pulled back for only those with the best controls in place. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how we have to do it, right? I think we have to right. compare cyber to more traditional lines of coverage, the people that do things right, the people that can minimize the severity of claims, right? By not right. speeding, right? A fender bender is a lot easier to um, clean up and fix than a, you know, a spillover of a car, right? right. So exactly. those people have more coverages and it allows your insurance professional then to go out to the market, start brokering and do what they do best to drive better pricing, better risk better you know limits so i i know this that that your your business is to to to, to ensure these these uh, specialty markets i mean do you encourage basically any company that has a digital footprint to investigate at least cyber insurance yeah i think you have to do your due diligence right because right. realistically if you have a business name you have a business email and you have a bank account you have a cyber exposure right right um, that can trigger, even if you don't hold private data, you can trigger a lot of regulatory bodies and a lot of forensic works that needs to be done, even with something as little as a business email compromise. So we encourage all our clients to do that due diligence, especially as that world, the cyber world starts to bleed into more of a director's and officer's coverage. How can that impact them on a personal basis and on a For business sure. basis? So do you, uh, that, that brings up a good point. And this is, this is going back to that market as a whole. Are, are you, is it catastrophic coverage that we think that's will morph into uh, like covering your worst day? Um, is it, is it somewhere in between like, you know, just because you have ransomware and it costs you a hundred thousand dollars to rectify it, but you don't have a regulatory breach or you haven't lost administrative control of some data and you just need some, some help getting some servers back online. That may not be worth making a claim over. Right. Right. I think you're going to get to a point where, you know, if I had a crystal ball, right, it's going to be more industry per industry, right? When you look at manufacturing, for example, I think they look at it more of a catastrophic. They probably start to take a higher retention, um, depending segmentation and controls of networks. Um, But I think a healthcare, right, hospital, a lot of HIPAA data, a lot of got to get back up and running quickly to make sure we can roll out those surgeries and keep people safe and healthy. 
they might need a lower retention to make sure they can engage the policy a lot quicker. So I think it's a little bit of an in-between, but more of an industry per industry judgment. Right, right. Um, and that, again, just like the whole industry, the industry as a whole, it's kind of morphing as we go along, right? I mean, ransomware is out of control because we're not doing all these things like training our employees correctly on how to, re how to interact with email or SMS messages or a phone call even. Um, and we get fish and then some, some ransomware gets injected in our environment and lo and behold, our, you know, gas pipeline is shut down. Um, so how does that play out? So let's say my worst day is happening. I have cyber insurance. I've got a security guy. I'm a, you know, a 200 person company. Um, we make a call, we're having an incident. How does it, how does it play out with most insurance providers on how, you know, from the first phone call that you call your insurance broker or your insurance carrier, how does it happen? What happens from there? Yeah. So my, my PSA announcement here is every business um, can do an incident response plan. And that sure. incident response plan doesn't cost you a lot of money, if any. So make sure you're playing this out in your head well ahead of time and have that document ready to go and make sure it's offline in case you can't get to it. Right. So you call your carrier, right? You're immediately going to talk to, if your policy is set up in the correct way, you're immediately going to talk to um, a cyber claims expert, right? Someone that's going to help you kind of vet the process, what's going on. And then you're immediately going to start getting engaged with a cyber breach coach. And that cyber breach coach is going to be trained from one of the number of data breach attorneys out in the world. And they're going to start playing quarterback for you. And they're going to direct you to the correct forensics. They're going to correct, point you to the correct PR. Um, and how to start navigating those waters. So it happens very quickly. The scope of works are going to come very quickly. Um, and we want it to happen that right way, right? Because time is money. Mm -hmm. We don't have the privilege of calling a fire truck and them coming to put the fire out. Right. Uh, but at the same time, and this is what I'm so glad that you brought up the IRP or the incident response plan, because what we tell our clients a lot is, listen, you know, we're, we're here to help you. We're, we're trying to do all the right things. We're lining up your security controls. We're training your employees. We're talking, to, we're practicing this. We're talking through that. Um, but the reality is you can still have a really bad day. Um, and a, a breach can happen because we, you know, the hackers are outpacing us. If, you, if, you, if they really want to get in, they, they literally can't get in. So you have to have that incident response plan, that IRP in place with the assumption that if it were to happen, we need to have a plan. We need to know what to do because what we find is the costs really increase when those plans aren't in place because everything takes longer. Uh, you don't know who to call. You know, everybody's running around with their hair on fire, but not really acting as a you know, cohesive unit. So that incident response plan needs to be A, in place and B, tested. Um, and tested through something called a tabletop exercise where you just, you walk through the scenarios like we just got hit with, you know, ransomware. Bill just called the IT department and says his computer has a message on it, blah, 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 blah. What happens from a tech perspective? What happens from a leadership perspective? What happens from a legal perspective? All of that should be, should be hammered out in instant response plan. Yep. And, and insurance, insurance carriers love to see tabletop activities, right? Yeah. That helps you on both sides. Uh, of the spectrum. And I would encourage everyone, if you have a cyber policy, ask your, your insurance professional, who's on our, who's on our list? Who can we contact? You're able to talk with them ahead of time. You're able to vet them sure. out 
to drive down that, that wait time, get those scope of works kind of thinking what's in the process, what's in the hopper, what can we do? Oh, so you're, you're, you're suggesting that, um, like, let's say you're a chub covered, right. And you talk to chub and they, they, um, they say, here are the types of people we put you in touch with that you actually go talk to them and say, okay, what's it look like for us to, to engage with you? Can we, can we have a sample scope of work um, so that we know what to expect and to have it down to that detail as you're engaging with your insurance provider? Absolutely. I have a okay. number of clients that do that. And, and I cool. think that- I like I that. Think, yeah. You know, know who you got to call. You know, if you go outside that panel- um, it could be detriment to your coverage, right? So we want to make sure we stay in the scope and follow the guidelines within the policy. For sure, for sure. That, and that that works in both ways, right? Stay inside the policy when you're reporting a breach and you're getting help and all of that. But we we tell our clients all the time, like it, when you when you're filling out the questionnaire to get the coverage as it's getting underwritten um, or underwritten, do not say what's not true. Don't lie on those dang things because yes. it'll come, it, they'll, they'll blow up the coverage on you for sure, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Those, um, almost every application is a warranty statement. They're taking those as true statements. Right. Um, so if there's any gray areas, um, make sure you're reaching out, asking for clarification. I would say to that nature, don't let the application tell your story, right? If you check no for offline backups, right? Why are you checking no? Where could you store them? Are you using a third party? How's that third party protected, right? Don't let the application tell you the story because all my underwriting friends out there, one no can trigger a decline, right? So make right. sure you're telling that story and, and being your own advocate. Absolutely. So one thing you, you mentioned to me before we jumped on when we were talking about making a claim, you wanted to talk about limit structure. So can you describe that for, for the folks a little bit? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about claims, right? And, and how do claims get paid out, right? There's different parts of a cyber policy that get paid later than others, right? So we love to talk about bells and whistles inside of a cyber policy, right? We always talk about the incident response, those data breach attorneys, those forensic experts. Mm -hmm. That's the first part of the policy, right? That's going to be paid out first, right? So if we're only buying a million or $2 million, we can expect that a majority of that limit's going to be paid out on the front. But there's a lot of bells and whistles like reputational harm. There's class action lawsuits that can be paid through those third-party liability costs. Those are back-end type claims, right? They could come in later. Um, if you want to make sure that you're utilizing those pieces of the policy, we need to make sure we have enough limit for those coverages to still be paid out. So if you're in retail or if you're in manufacturing and you want to make sure that you have reputational harm coverage, we got to make sure we have the limit to actually pay those line items out. So making sure we're carrying enough limit to use the policy to its full um, full course is very important. Right. This is like similar to homeowners insurance that you have enough coverage to, to replace your entire house. Right. right. Like all aspects, like not only just the structure itself, but maybe, you know, the, the back porch, that kind of thing. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. We, we can build a new house, but if we don't have a couch to sit on or if we that, don't have plates right. to eat off of, that's right. A, we want right. to make sure we use it to its full extent. And as you buy more limits, it does get cheaper. So I always encourage people to consider that. Uh, what do you mean when you buy more limits? I don't, I don't know that I understand. I'm, I'm really learning a lot. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of uh, per million, right? So your first million is going to be the most expensive. Your first 5 million is going to be. The oh, most I expensive. see. I see. And as we buy more limits, um, it does get a little bit cheaper. So to make sure that you can use the policy to its full extent, 
right, right. what that extra one or two mil might cost. But we do know that um, the opposite isn't true. So if you're, we'll go back to the ransomware example. If your policy costs you $50,000 a year and you want to reduce the ransomware coverage, the limits on ransomware, it's not, it's not going to drop by scale. Even though ransomware represent 80% of breaches that happen, when, when you reduce the ransomware limit within your policy, you're not going to see an 80% reduction in your, your overall coverage or your overall cost, right? Absolutely. So, you know, when we talk about risk, ransomware is the driver right now in the marketplace. There's Without no doubt question. about it. Yeah. Um, but it's not apples to apples, right? If you have a $10 million limit, and you want to take ransomware down to a million, you're not going to see an 80% reduction in cost. Um, right. There's still a number of different factors that cause those rates to be as high as they are. Things like business email compromise, and, and, you know, those traditional third-party data breaches, we're still seeing those. Those are causing increases as well. So it's not always an apples-to-apples reduction. Right, right, all right. So, th- I mean, this is why you work with a broker that you can trust because then you can get these questions answered and, 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 and feel like you're getting the best policy or best coverage for your business. Yeah, I, I think I've said this before. It's still very much the Wild West. Cyber is a very premature line of insurance coverage. We don't have the hundreds of years like property does. We're still learning every single right. day with every big systemic event we see. Well, I think you and I were kind of connected through the CyberCube team a little bit, right? Julian was there. And uh, anyhow, we, we it's it's one of those businesses and and. Uh, our clients know that we've we've brought on CyberCube, which is an insurance. It's a brokerage tool uh, for helping companies understand how much uh, cyber coverage they would need or in cyber insurance coverage they would need um, on their worst day, uh, or maybe not even their worst day. Just the, you know, based on odds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are the kind of tools that can really be helpful for companies to understand because, like you say, it's 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 immature in how. Uh, how it's being underwritten, how it's being priced, et cetera. It's, it's, it's hard for people to wrap their arms around. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of CyberCube. Um, yeah. I use it on all my accounts. I say it makes the intangible tangible, right. right? You can really put your arms wrapped around it. And I think it shows people their true exposure, right? People that think they have a huge credit card data exposure don't always think of the ransomware side of it or the system failure side of it that really shows you what your worst day or average claim would look like. For sure. And by the way, this is not an advertisement for CyberCube. It just happens to be a cool tool out there to help people understand how to, uh, how to find out how much coverage they should get. Well, so yeah. I, I think we, we've touched on a whole bunch and it was a little bit, we talked about the controls, we talked about the market as, uh, as a whole, and we talked about making a claim and, and, you know, the fact that this, that, you know, the biggest problem that we have, and I'll, I'll say this because this is a moment for me to kind of talk about just security controls in general. The biggest problem we have in cybersecurity right now, this, this may, it wasn't always the case and it may not be the, the case going forward, is sitting between the keyboard and the chair, right? It's, it's, that, it's that human factor. And it's not because people are doing things intentionally, although that does happen. There are nefarious people out there that are doing things that are... Uh, that are uh, you know, intentionally bad. But generally it's people trying to do their job, trying to act quickly, trying to be responsive, um, but not being properly trained on how to interact with email. Like I mentioned before, internet, internet, interact on phone calls, interact in their personal life. And as we, or excuse me, uh, on phone uh, text messages. 
what what we say a lot is uh, to our clients like this this training has a huge benefit for companies like how to avoid getting fished. Um, but it also has a huge benefit for the, your staff or your employees personally as well. And, and we all know that if, if an employee has a, a major thing going on in their personal lives, they're not going to be a very effective employee. Um, so this training is, is kind of twofold benefit. It, there's the direct benefit to the company, but also as they learn how to spot uh, phishing emails, et cetera, they, they can be more effective in their personal lives and not, you know, have their home computer get locked up with ransomware and have to deal with all that or, you know, have their identity stolen, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, um, it, it's my biggest nightmare, right? That, you know, we, we run intentional phishing campaigns at Highland, right? It's my biggest fear that I'm going to be in one of our training courses as, as the cyber leader. Um, but it, right. it's so, it's so important, right? Cause you know, COVID I think has incrementally, changed phishing emails forever, right? People are working from home more. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm holding my breath that the UPS man doesn't come during our recording, right? And the dogs start barking and everything else. That's a distraction. That's right. You right. know, that's a distraction. People get excited. People click on links. We're all working very fast. And, you know, the, the amount of increase of smishing, you know, the text messages being duped, right? right? The amount we've seen that from clients and um, internally has, has been absolutely wild. I, I, I just this week, um, going back to last week, but in the last week, I can't tell you how many more smishing uh, texts I've, you know, phishing text messages I've received, at least three a day. Now, I don't know what's happened with my phone number that if it was exposed in a breach of some sort, but all of a sudden my, my, my text messaging is lit, lighting up with, oh, you have a package waiting, you know, click this link to, to, you know, get your you know, to accept the package or whatever it might be. So um, everybody needs to be aware of that stuff. It's, it's all on topic, but it's a little bit off topic, what we're talking about with cyber insurance. So Alex, I really appreciate all that, uh, all those thoughts. It, I think it's a good, um, it's been a good podcast in combination with our, our earlier one on cyber insurance. I think we should have one later in the year as the year plays out and this gray area, as you described, as this undecided, uh, this unstable weather front, let's say, with cyber insurance changes, uh, we determine uh, what's happening and where things are maybe six months from now. So I'm hoping that you'll be willing to do another one down the road. Absolutely. I think we're all, all holding our breath a little bit. We saw yeah. the market turn about this time last year. So what are these renewals going to look like? What are the sure. new controls that are going to pop up? Um, so, you know, we're excited and nervous all at the same, <laughs> all same time. time. But right. you know what? We got, our, we got our storytelling hats on to tell good stories about our clients and making sure they're all prepared for that. Excellent. Um, well, thanks again. But before I let you go, um, we ask every one of our podcast guests to uh, give us a place on the water, maybe a harbor, uh, hence our name, someplace you'd like to go hang out on the water, maybe grab a beer, grab a burger. Uh, do you have a good spot that you like to, to check out? You know what? Absolutely. Headed this Friday um, down on a little spring break trip. We're going down to Rosemary Beach, 30A. Um, right in the Gulf of Florida. So very excited to have a, have a few beers and unwind from this crazy cyber market down there. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So what, what, where's, what's it called again? What's the beach? Rosemary beach. Rosemary beach. And that's Panhandle area. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So right kind of next, kind of next to Destin area. Right so on. 
Right on. Well, that'll be great. Well, safe safe travels to you. Uh, Enjoy it. Uh, Enjoy the spring break. All right. Thanks, Matt. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 